Welcome to the FinTech Australia podcast, brought to you in partnership with Tier One People, Australia's leading FinTech executive search consultants. I'm your host, Dexter Cousins. In episode 23, I'm joined by Fred Shabesta, co-founder of Finder, a global personal finance comparison website. Finder attracts over 10 million visitors each month and employs over 300 staff. Fred spearheaded the group's venture capital arm, Finder Venture, and for the past two years, Fred has been leading the group's latest project, the Finder app. Fred is recognized as one of Australia's leading entrepreneurs with way too many awards and accolades to mention in an intro. I chat to Fred about his journey as a founder, making the transition to global CEO, and Finder's plans in the open banking era. Before we get into the show, a big shout out to our partners, Fintech Australia. They're a member-driven organization building an ecosystem of Australian fintechs to advance the global economy. Tier 1 people share their mission to build a strong community, foster connections, and support innovation. If you'd like to find out more about membership, go to fintechaustralia.org.au forward slash join dash now. Fred, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it a lot. Fred, a lot of people might be wondering why I've invited you on to a fintech podcast to talk about Finder. Can you tell our guests a little bit more about what Finder do and how you're evolving, particularly around um, things like CDR? Yeah, you know, Finder's uh, traditionally been, I guess, a bit of a publisher of financial information. Um, And I think where we're kind of going, what we're trying to do is become more of a product and technology company. We, we, um, obviously there's, you know, 3 million Australians a month go to Finder to compare things. It's 10 million worldwide. It's, you know, it's, it's obviously got, got a few people looking at it. Um, and you know, they're comparing and they're saving money, which is a good, a good business. And I think where we're at now is we, we just launched the Finder app, which, um, you know, helps people aggregate their accounts and. It gives people a free credit score and tells them the chance of getting approved for a loan. And we're really delving down this path of starting to become more of a fintech. And, um, you know, I think, I think we have some pretty, pretty keen insights, mainly because we've been using a lot of products. Uh, we write about a lot of products. We know what sort of people ask about and what, what features they're interested in. And I guess it, it's, a, it's a transition, right, of moving more towards technology and um, our UK business is very exposed to a lot of the new technologies and they've been trialing and testing out new technologies in their market. And, and, and now we're, we're really um, looking to expand that around the world. The UK is probably two years ahead of where Australia is right now on open banking, Fred. What trends and insights have you seen from the UK business that you think you can bring across here into Australia as we go live with CDR on the 1st of July? Yeah, you're right. The, the UK is definitely ahead in terms of open banking, but I think they've always been a bit more ahead in terms of uh, some of the new business models, particularly around new banks. And I think Australia is definitely following and it's starting to happen, just nowhere near in the same volume and size and ambition. It's still a good thing. It's a great opportunity here because there's so much, you know, it hasn't been done. We've been fascinated by, you know, changes in credit scores, 
and in Australia is becoming a positive credit reporting environment. So that's a big change that's happening. You've got open banking they're coming out in six days, um, just, which is again, very, uh, I think a big change. Um, I think the relaxing of banking licenses, I think that's really changed a lot of things in Australia as well. Um, so, so I think it's a combination of things and, and it's um, an interesting uh, blend of laws and the industry changing and then the customer demand also changing. Um, and then the players that are going to sort of enter those spaces and, and which angles they sort of come from. A lot of the use cases that I hear about CDR seem to revolve around something that I guess Finder's been doing a lot for a number of years, Fred, which is your comparison site, finding better deals for customers and consumers. What do you see as the opportunities kind of moving forward for a business like Finder with the CDR and open banking? And and what um, kind of ideas have you got around innovation, around new products and that, that customers could benefit from? I think... Um the opportunities is going to be a Cambrian explosion of products for, for customers to use. I think what's important to give context on, yes, I think the banks have been very, in Australia at least, um, have been quite open and, and they've been comparing and doing these things for quite some time. It's actually where CDR goes in Australia that's interesting. You know, it's going next to energy. One of our uh, directors sits on the energy board. Um, that's bringing open energy to Australia and that's telco and then I think insurance after that. You know, I think some of those other industries, particularly insurance, has not been very favorable towards comparison and sort of has made it quite difficult to compare policies in Australia. Um, and and that, that's a really great opportunity for the customer to save a lot of money and find better deals. Um, I, I agree to, to a large extent, if you were to look relative to the other um, organizations that exist, and, and particularly because there's a, a pretty strong oligopoly in Australia around insurance. There's just two major insurers and they have 80% of the market and they do a great job of defending that. I, I would agree to a large degree about the, the position of where it's at. I do think but the, these technologies, what they'll do as well as enable a lot more smoothing so it's quite bumpy. It's, you know, the convenience factor, um, the user experience is still pretty rough. It's non-existent to a large degree. And now I think, you know, is when, when potentially things can change. You mentioned insurance there, Fred. They sit on a heap of data. Um, and yet when it comes to renewal time, it never seems like that data is used to actually build or, or give a, a better deal to their customers. Finder sits on a, a heap of data, as you mentioned. What do you see as the opportunities for businesses like Finder to really use customer data to build new innovative products rather than just digitizing kind of older products and making them a bit more kind of faster, convenient, and quicker to, to serve? So what you're talking about there is there's two sides to that, right? So the first one is where... I think these insurance companies and banks have been using the data to curate what is the profitable cost for them. And then there's the other side of it, which the customer wants to know, well, based on my data and who I am, what, you know, where can I get a better deal? Where, where will I be, you know, rewarded? And each company has, you know, fairly similar models, but also 
some quite unique and different ones depending on your circumstances and situations. And what does I think this will start to do is you'll get that information up front. So that's just a small example. We built a function that uh, enables our customers to go on and see the chance of being approved for a loan before they apply. And it doesn't affect the credit score. So you know which ones you're going to get, you know, rejected for or which ones you're going to get approved for more, you know, and that obviously affects your credit score um, because you don't get dinged and you don't, you know, there's all sorts of follow-on effects of getting rejected, right? And that's a small example, right? And that's just the beginning of where we think we can start to take things. Um, imagine a world where you knew which insurer is going to charge you less because you, you t- that you've given them enough information about their data points that they look at and they're the kind of customers that they think they want to go for and you become a, you get a better deal than, than is advertised or anywhere else because they have more information. Um, I think that's a very interesting world. I think there's, there's other opportunities. I think with, I guess just the everyday convenience of the service in terms of, you know, imagine if you could just slide a little configurator or something, you know, some sort of button on your phone and it goes from, you know, I want to turn on auto switching. I just want to auto switch my, you know, insurance and I want to get a better deal every, you know, 12 months and go and do that for me. And you've got my information, you've got my details and data and now the pipes are being created. And I think that will actually create a, a place where the, the, the consumer is empowered to make great decisions based on their personal information and they're not having to, you know, get a spreadsheet out and, you know, you know, go through all these bits of you know data and instead they can just feed that data in and you know get it get it get some really good advice. We had Razor, the gaming company, on a few weeks back, Fred. They're going for a digital banking license in Singapore. Do you ever see a day when Finder might become a bank and go for a digital banking license? I don't think we'd ever become a digital bank, no. I think there's a lot of regulatory aspects to that that yeah, don't really, um, they don't really appeal to us as much. You can potentially become as close to being a bank without actually being a bank these days. I think some of the things, unfortunately, that the banks that offer are going to become commoditized. Um, I think like bank accounts and things like that. I have an utmost incredible admiration and respect for banks. And the reason for that is, you know, they were the tech entrepreneurs, you know, of the last 25 years, right? They, they took us from pieces of paper and little books that we took into branches and checks, which were pieces of paper, and digitized that whole thing. And, you know, where you can transfer money overseas and, you know, and you can borrow money and you can, you know, do all sorts of things and, and do it in a safe way. You're protected. Those digitizations, I think we take for granted to some extent, but actually they, they actually were revolutions in and of themselves, you know, as an organization, they've had to, you know, they've done really well, but also they have a, a systemic connection to the economy and the health of the, of a country. And so a lot of the regulation and pressure comes from that side of things, which, which again, I guess puts a puts a burden that I don't think we we would be best served at doing. We're just not we're just not built for those things. 
Fred, I'd like to take you back to the beginning of Finder, if we could. I mean, what you and the founders have, have achieved with the business is nothing short of phenomenal. And it'd be really cool just to understand you know, how you got started with the business and some of the challenges that you faced along the way you are today with Finder App and the Ventures business and being a global business. Yeah, it was interesting, right? Um, we, 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 we began with, a, with an idea just to just do experiment on the internet, actually. You know, put up some websites and see what would happen and find some business models. And, you know, we started, I remember we, we, we were running a digital marketing agency building websites. And then, you know, we thought, hey, could we do this for ourselves? And, and so we built a Sudoku side and a Mother's Day present side and a focus side, a sports betting side. And one of them was credit card finder. And the idea was with each of those, because we did a lot of SEO, we just wanted to rank really highly in Google. So we thought, hey, you know, maybe we could rank number one in Google for credit card. And so, you know, I remember exporting the, the Google keyword tool and got the top 100 keywords. The sixth one, I think, was, you know, credit card finder. So we, and that was available as a domain name. So that's what we registered. And that's how the name came about, which is, you know, it's kind of fascinating in and of itself. You know, those beginnings of understanding how to build websites and how to market and, and, and what's valuable on the internet, I think that taught us a lot. Escalating that and taking that to our own site, we learned, we learned a lot from that. And then, you know, we thought this business model was good and, and it kept going and we're like, wow, this is, we should expand it. So we took it to mortgages and personal loans and, you know, we just continuously expanded more. And then as we were going along, we thought, hey, what about a challenge? We'll go overseas. And that's, a, that's been a massive challenge. So we went to the US 2016. And we need to reorganize to become more of a global company. And that, that's, that's a lot of learnings in that. One of the challenges I've had is also my role changing throughout that. You know, who I was and what I did. And, um, and that, I've personally found that very challenging as well. How big is Finder now in terms of people, Fred? I think there's about 300 crew in Finder now. So as CEO, it's a very different business that you're managing today than the business that you started with, Fred. And dare I say, it's probably a different business today than it was when you were 100 people. How do you find growing with the business and kind of evolving as the business scales? Is that something you've uh, been able to grasp? Yeah, managing that scale and the process and almost every two years, you have to like basically bankrupt the existing system and open up a new one. Um, and it's, it's like you'd be growing up as a kid. Remember you used to grow up and then your shoes would become too small or your, sh- your clothes would be too small and you need, need to find a bigger size and eventually, you know, evens out. That's how I, I, I sort of feel. I think, mean, you know, we're kind of, I still feel it's kind of still day one to a large degree. We're still growing and trying things and enterprising. So there's kind of an interesting existing business that's, that's rolling on and there's another one that's sort of emerging as well at the same time or several and so you kind of got both sets of clothes being used <laughs> so how do you manage that fred because if you follow the kind of conventional wisdom of startup land in silicon valley vc will always tell you to focus on the one thing don't diversify don't try to be all things to everybody and just get that one thing right do you have a, a different experience or you know, how, do you have a different view on that hypothesis? Yeah, I think I, I tend to do that naturally. It just you know, tends to, to be my way. But um, 
you, yeah, you also need to train the discipline to focus. And that's another one that, yeah, you're right, doesn't come naturally. I think creativity comes quite naturally, but discipline doesn't. And um, I think everyone's creative. I think the the beginning, it, it needs that focus. You got, you got to focus and you got to get the core up and running. But I think once the core is, and that's really where you know, I sort of stepped out of that core operation because I, you know, I realize I'm not I'm probably not the best manager, but, but nat- naturally, I just don't enjoy that as much. But um, I'm a much, much better leader and I'm a creator in, in and of itself. And, and that's, that's a self-reflection thing, right? That's a, a moment where I had to discover who I was and what I was in that business. I, I think, you know, to your question, but, you know, how do you handle that? I think it's never easy, right? That, that, that balance between doing the new thing, expanding what you're doing and also focusing in, and optimizing what you're up to. I think Reed Hoffman in, in the US has this sort of rough rule about 70% on the core, 20% expansion and 10% on venture. And I think that's a that's a okay rule that has to depend on where the business is at and what stage of evolution. So I don't think it's, I think it's kind of like in, it's a phase approach. You know, if you're plateauing and leveling out in some dimension, then you need to change. If you're, if the core business is not quite actually functioning and operating, you need to go and optimize. If it's, you know, your competitors are doing just as much, if not more, then, you know, you might have to look at some more venture bets. And, and I think that's, that just depends on reading the situation. I don't think it's a hard and fast rule. You mentioned before, Fred, some of the difficulties and challenges of assessing yourself as CEO and really apply in that kind of critical lens over your own capabilities and having to improve. But I'm curious, how do you apply that to people who are coming into the business when you look to hire? I really look at things like proactivity, particularly that drive, you know, that innate drive. I don't know how exactly, it's just people who have high energy and they want to get stuff done and they're a little bit, little bit productively paranoid and a little bit anxious. I think it's good to be a bit paranoid and a bit, bit anxious, but not destructively. And that's the first thing we look for. I think the second thing is, I guess, a persistence, like a, an unwavering persistence to get stuff, get around obstacles and deal with them and adapt. I think, we as a company and, and every company is different, right? So every company probably looks for different things, but this is, this is the kind of things I think we look for. Um, you know, for us, adaption is really important, right? We're always changing. There's always movement. There's always stuff happening. Um, but the, I think we need people to be comfortable with that uncomfortableness a lot more than other companies. And that cultural acceptance of things just not being perfect or not being finalized and done, they'll always be in beta. Like I even see myself as in constant, constant beta, right? <laughs> I'm a constant work in progress. That's, that's what we need. So we look for those kind of qualities as well. The last thing is, a, is an aspiration to greatness. I think if you want to be great and you want to aspire to something bigger than yourself, then that's the kind of people that 
we want to be and we, we attract those people that, that have a belief in themselves uh, and, and, and are, are committed to constant personal growth and adaption because the company's going to grow. Because the company's going to grow, it's going to force you to have to grow as well. Um, and that's a great environment to be in, right? That's, that's where you tend to do your best, best work. We talked about culture, Fred, and it's probably one of the most difficult things to maintain, particularly as the, the company scales. You're now global. You've got over 300 staff. What are the tips that you could share on how to maintain the original essence of the culture as a business goes from startup to scale up? I think culture is one of those um, really hard. It's a constant tendering of what are the, what's the environment that you're in? What's the, what's the behaviors that you accept? Um, because that's the standard that's created. We do reinforce our values a lot. And they're not just like, you know, just a little thing to stick on the wall. Finder values are spoken about all the time. They're, they're used in our lexicon. People write them every day. They're, they're actually naming sort of things. They're, they're used as in, in everyday ways. And so those values tend to come out, which is very handy um, and also helps people understand what do we value with the company. And then that kind of guides their behaviors. Um, no one's watching. And what would you say are some of the main attractions for people to want to work at Finder and stay? Find is the kind of place where you're going to be around very intelligent, driven, high-performing individuals, and you know you want to be around those kinds of people as they make you step up. Um, it's about a company with a lot of aspiration and ambition, and if you have that for yourself, then you'll be in you know in a good environment and you'll enjoy that. Yeah, there's a humbleness to Finder as well that we know where we've come from and that. Where we where we started and that admiration for that, but then a real acceptance to grow past and evolve. That's there's a hunger inside it right now, a real passion that wants to wants to be more than what it is. And finally, Fred, what does the future hold for Finder? Well, you know, I think we'll continue to help people make better financial decisions and you know get a better deal and what they're trying to do. And I think right now a lot of people need to save money. Um, they want to save money, and so you know, we sort of try and servicing that demand and trying to adapt to what are the new things that we want to compare right now. And, and there's a lot of changes happening, right? A lot, of, particularly in um, lending. You know, banks are having a tough time because credit scores in the past used to be a great indicator, um, and maybe now they need to be. You know, they, they may not necessarily well, in certain countries, particularly. They may be a terrible indicator because things have dramatically changed, um, and 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 so I think just it's, it's just kind of it's just a proper fruitful ground right now for immense amounts of change and new products and technologies, and so I'm very excited. I think Finder can provide a great role in that in terms of helping people navigate those those situations and finding how they can save some money throughout. And you've already started that journey, Fred, with the Finder app. Could you tell us a little bit more about the app and where people can find out um, more about it? Well, you know, we, we, we launched the Finder app in Australia in, uh, in March, so right in the middle of COVID, which has been pretty intense. Um, and a lot of people are, are, are using it, but you know, we'd always love to get feedback on how we can improve it and you know, from a fintech perspective, it's we're, we're relatively new here on the block in terms of how we do things and 
that's new for us and, and we're, we're trying to in the most humble but excited way we'd love to receive any feedback we can in, in using it and where do people need to go to download the app and find out more about finder fred you just you can just go on the app store and type in finder or i think finder.com.au slash app well, Fred, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your journey as an entrepreneur and the journey with Finder. Um, we really wish you luck with this foray into fintech and we're expecting some really cool things from you guys in the next six months. So please keep in touch. Thank you so much, Dex. I really appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Well, thanks very much to Fred Shabesta for a really interesting glimpse into the CDR and open banking. Make sure to subscribe, folks. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, and all your favorite players. And a big thanks to our sponsors, Fintech Australia. Remember, if you're interested in membership, to head on over to fintechaustralia.org.au forward slash join dash now. Until the next show, folks, keep safe and well.